Our reading for today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who is a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things that took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that he had, they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord had risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Here is the reading. Thanks Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, stir up your holy power this day and come. Send your spirit into our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our ears so that we might hear a word for us today anew and so that we too might then live out that which we believe. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I absolutely love this story. Uh, I could listen to this story time and time again. In fact, uh, I've often thought as I've read this story this week, if I just had one story from the gospel, this might be the one that I would pick to carry alongside me if I ever went for a walk or traveling around. So what I want to do today is I actually sort of want to try and walk through the story a little bit. It is a traveling story. It is a story about two people that are walking And so I want to walk alongside of them and pause in a couple of different places and look around and see what's there. So the first thing to note about this story is that we are walking and we are going someplace, only we don't actually know where in the world these two guys are going. Emmaus is like walking to nowhere. 
Emmaus is like what I would describe in my daily activities as going to Cheese Whiz, Minnesota. We don't know where it is, but we know that it's there, and it's tiny, and there aren't that many people that live there. It's really no place. They are on their way to nowhere, Cheese Whiz, and they don't really know where they're going, and neither do we. We actually don't even know who these people are, to tell you the truth. It's the only time these people get named in the story. We don't know who they are, where they came from, how long they were followers of Jesus. We just know that they were. And now, after everything around them has finally collapsed, they are walking the road to nowhere. I think we don't really know who they are because the idea in the story is that this is us. We've all had this experience Everything that they had pinned their entire life on has suddenly been wiped away in one fell swoop. Everything has been knocked out from under them. All of their expectations and hopes and dreams from life suddenly got washed away. They are vulnerable. They had put all their hopes and dreams into Jesus' basket of eggs, and it all got taken away. Their hopes and dreams are lost. They're not going on vacation. They're wandering around in the dark. You've all felt it when something happened to you or maybe something happened because of you. A death, a loss, a job you didn't get, the life that you ended up not leading that you thought you were going to lead. The road to Emmaus is one that you and I have both traveled. And so there we are, vulnerable. Their leaders even betrayed them. They're the ones who took Jesus ultimately from their perspective and handed them over. But I think you can hear in their own brokenheartedness, they too knew that somehow they were complicit in this act where Jesus ends up on the cross. And I want to pause here for just a second because I don't think you can hear the rest of the story until you hear this little bit of pause. One of the things that I think happens in our, I want to use the word culture, I want to make sure that I use the right word. Preachers often will say in the world. Maybe another good way of saying it is in our value system that we're surrounded by all the time, the soup in which we live and breathe or ocean in which we swim is one in which our values are often those driven by success. What have you accomplished How good do you look? What kind of car do you drive? Where's your house? How many vacation spots do you have in Cheese Whiz, Minnesota? Our value system is one that's often driven by success, and a lot of times it's what we look like, what we drive, where we eat, what our kids have done. But in the case of Christianity and being a follower of Jesus, success is turned upside down. And unless you go through the places of failure and experience of vulnerability and loss, you don't really understand what success actually is. I've noticed that the people in the world who are often the most wise are those who have lived through some of the most difficult things. They have both realized and accepted their own vulnerability as human beings, which has then driven an enormous sense of empathy. Because somehow when you realize you're a fragile, finite, humble human being, 
you realize that everybody else is too. And then you see them with different eyes. Maybe a loss of a child, a loss of a dream, loss of hope. Our shortcomings and our failures actually might be the thing, at least as followers of Jesus, that are the most important. And this is where we are. The walk to Emmaus is a walk to nowhere in the midst of realizing their own vulnerability and frailties. This is, in fact, the strange, wonderful mystery of the cross itself and Good Friday, without which there is no Easter. What's interesting along this journey, as we're traveling towards Emmaus, walking with these folks who are headed to nowhere, Jesus joins them along the road. And I love the way that Jesus joins them along the road because neither of these two people recognize him, which is often the case. As we're walking along in our daily life, it's often that we don't see that Jesus is walking right alongside of us and they don't notice. This is actually the way it works. I don't know why, but somehow the resurrected Jesus is entirely sort of sneaky and tricky, uh, elusive, we might say, And I actually think, as I watch Jesus do this, I think he is enjoying being resurrected and has decided to playfully bait them. Have you ever had a teacher that does this? You know you have. You have been in a classroom with a teacher who knows where they want to go, but wants to bring you along. So they set you up for exactly the conversation they want you to have, and this is what Jesus does as they are walking alongside of the road. What are you talking about? In the story, the two people stop dead in their tracks on their way to Cheese Whiz, and they're like, what do, you, what do you mean? What are we talking about? Have you not been paying attention to the news? Don't you read the Jerusalem Times? How come you don't know what's going on? Jesus, who was mighty in deed and truth, a servant of God, was killed, and nonetheless, he was handed over by our leaders. And you can just imagine Jesus walking alongside of them. Yeah, I, I, I know. And they explanate and explain the whole thing to Jesus, and they literally tee up the conversation that he wants to have. They still don't recognize him. <laughs> and he starts to explain the Old Testament, the prophets, and they suddenly start to hear. And here's the rub of the story. This is the best part. It's getting dark, because on on the road to nowhere, it often is dark. And as they're walking along the way, it's a dangerous place to be. You and I both know that when we're walking to Emmaus, when we are in grief and sadness, it's a good idea as Lutherans to bring a hot dish, because we all know that in grief and sadness, hot dish does the trick. And so, Jesus is about to keep going. And these two say something really remarkable. Why don't you come with us and let's have some dinner here in Cheese Whiz. We've got hot dish ready. Why don't you stay with us? It's dark and dangerous along the road. Come and have some dinner. Now keep in mind, this is a stranger. They don't recognize Jesus. They don't know who he is. 
All they know is suddenly appeared on the side of the road some random person, and they invite him over for dinner. I I don't know how this happens. In fact, I I think it's sort of like, I, I think you would describe being a follower of Jesus and understanding what that means as sort of like catching a disease rather than a decision that you make. Because somehow, hanging around with Jesus both before and after his death and resurrection, something rubbed off on these two knuckleheads on their way to Cheese Whiz, and they stop and ask a stranger to come over for dinner. That's weird. You don't invite strangers over to your house for dinner unless somehow you've been hanging around with some guy who invites strangers over for dinner. So without knowing who he is, these two guys invite Jesus to stay, and he does. I want you to pause for just a second. This is an incredible turning point in the entire story, in the journey. They literally are about to turn around. And the word for repentance strangely means turn around. And inviting these two guys over for dinner, it is the turning point in the story, and their hearts change, and so does mine reading this story. It's the warmest part of the story. Stay with us for dinner. Their hearts change. Their behavior changes. They suddenly become the host. They actually are about to change their very directions. They invite Jesus over for dinner unawares, and everything flips over. Strangely, as they sit down to have the hot dish there in Cheese Whiz, Minnesota, the guest becomes the host, and the hosts suddenly become the guest. Jesus looks out at them across the dinner table, blesses the bread, and breaks it. That's not what a guest does. Hosts do this. Everything turns upside down, and then suddenly in that moment, they see him. It's so odd because suddenly death becomes life. It's the weirdest part of the story and the weirdest part of being a follower of Jesus. Suddenly, the guest becomes the host. Scales fall from their eyes and they see the resurrected Jesus. He's alive. How could that be? And then, the best part is, as soon as they see him, he's gone. He slips away, mysterious and elusive, out in front of them already, gone somewhere else, because nobody can hold on to or capture Jesus, nor God, nor God's love. It's always out ahead of us, calling us, naming us, begging us to invite the stranger over for dinner. And then, what's really crazy, is they think back on their journey, and suddenly, their hearts had been burning within them with joy and light and hope. And here's my favorite part. They literally turn around. It's dark. It's the middle of the night. They had invited Jesus to stay with them because it's dangerous on the road. And what do they do? They turn around and run back out into the night. They turn around and filled with light and love and their hearts burning with love inside of them, they turn right around and walk right back out into the dark. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but people who have gone through those experiences that we talked about at the very beginning of death and life and resurrection are often the ones that we find to be wise and full of God's love. Have you ever noticed that unlike Brian, they don't usually shine the flashlight right in your eyes? 
I promise that wasn't a setup. It just happened that way. (laughs) They walk alongside of you and they point the light down at your feet. And often you're unaware. You don't even know it till it's where you were trying to go. The ones who have walked through the darkness, who have recognized their vulnerability, who know that death is real, and who have somehow walked on the other side and become resurrected are those that we seek to follow. And they don't shine the light right in your eyes, but they talk alongside of you as you walk through life, explaining the mysteries of resurrection and shining the light down at your feet. Which is why we follow Jesus. Amen.